Hey everyone, welcome to Millennial Learns. Thank you so much for joining me today. My name is Abby Rancor, your host. If you are new, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for listening. Today is our Bible episode. So if you are new, um, every Monday we do like a regular topic. So usually around faith, politics, or history. Last week we did the um, complete history of Afghanistan and U.S. involvement in Afghanistan because we've been over there like my whole life almost and I still did not know why really and what the history was why we were doing what so go listen to that um, from last week but today um, on Thursdays we go over a chunk of scripture like a summary of scripture because I'm trying to read the Bible in a year so far it's going well we are on track to finish by December but I am in um, Proverbs right now and this week was supposed to go from Proverbs 1 through Song of Songs uh, 4. But Song of Songs is only eight uh, chapters, and I feel like they all kind of go together, you know, like it would be better to have a podcast about them together. So I'm just going to do those next week. So this week we're going over Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. Now, Proverbs is kind of an odd one because just like Psalms, I never read Proverbs just like all in a row. There's 31 Proverbs, and I've never read them all in a row. Usually, like if I'm on a good Bible routine, I read like one chapter from the Old Testament, one chapter from uh, the New Testament, one, wait, how is it? I usually do like a proverb a day, basically. So since there's 30 days in most months or around 30 days and there's 31 proverbs, I just read one proverb a day. Uh, and so then I'm constantly reading Proverbs. That hasn't happened in a while because my Bible reading has been a bit off. So this week called to read them all, you know, all at the same time. So I pretty much never do that. And I think it would be very, very boring for everyone if I just give a summary of each proverb as I go, because they're all, I mean, they're all just kind of a collection of sayings. And so it's not great to do like a summary. So what I'm going to do because of this fact is I'm just going to go through some of the ones that kind of stuck out to me while I was reading. Um, You know, some chapters I don't really pull one from, some I pull multiple. So I'm just going to read the intro and then go over some of the ones that I like the most because I think, I mean, pretty much the entire book of Proverbs is very, very valuable. I really, really like it. But um, it's just boring to give summaries. So here is the intro of Proverbs. It says, Israel understood that the creator had placed an order in in his world that could be discovered. The book of Proverbs captures these lessons in compact, memorable sayings passed down from the wisest among elders. Many of them are from Solomon, a king renowned for his wisdom. These Proverbs are especially designed to help younger people avoid common pitfalls and find the path to prosperity, health, and security. After a short section of teaching, wisdom itself, personified as a woman, calls out to the simple and invites them to grow in knowledge. This section ends by presenting two banquets, one hosted by wisdom and one by folly, illustrating the essential choice to be made in life. A collection of 375 Proverbs of Solomon follows, reflecting the numerical value of his name in Hebrew. And then it has, this is a very interesting uh, historical thing that I I had heard about kind of, but I didn't really fully appreciate. It says Hebrew letters were also used as numbers, so words had a value equal to the sum of their letters. 
After some sayings of the wise, next is a collection of Solomon's wisdom compiled by the men of Hezekiah, king of Judah. Here the count is 130, equaling the value of Hezekiah's name. The book closes with sayings from Agor and Lemuel, ending with a poem whose 22 parts begin with the consecutive letters of the Hebrew alphabet. The character qualities praised throughout the book are seen in, the in a description of the ideal wife. This rich book of short, pithy wisdom presents a consistent theme. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So that's from the NIV. That's the intro in the NIV version of the Bible. And just like it says, Proverbs is a collection of these little sayings that have deep wisdom. And so I love reading Proverbs because it's just there's so many practical things that you can do and that are good reminders to that lead to a good life. So let's get started. Um, I'm going to read Proverbs 1 because that's kind of like the intro within the intro, you know, it's like Proverbs gives its own intro in book one or in chapter one. So it says purpose and theme, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, for doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance. For understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, which it said in the intro, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Okay, so then from there, in the same chapter, it goes on to the, you know, personification of wisdom and um, talking about wisdom. So that's Proverbs 1 that sets the stage for what the purpose of this book is to teach people to get knowledge and guidance and all of those things. So I'm going to start off with, um, you know, there's, a, again, there's good chapters and good things in every proverb. Um, but I would say like 1 through 6 is more of the personification of wisdom. And so those kind of go through a whole thing. Like you could read those together um, and but one through six is where they're really personifying wisdom. So I didn't really go too much into that, but I did start with a few things that caught my eye in Proverbs six. Yeah. In Proverbs six. So the first one is Proverbs six, six it says, go to the ant, you sluggard, consider it white, consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler yet. It stores yet. It stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will, get, when will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief, and scarcity like an armed man. So, I liked that because work hard. That is a big theme of Proverbs. Then, um, I liked, let's see, down in 616, where it says, There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. So not only does it say what to do, it says what to avoid, like run from those things, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, all those things are very bad. These are all just very good reminders here. I don't know if you can hear it, but I have some relaxing music playing in the background. So I'm feeling the vibes of this podcast right now. I'm very relaxed. Um, okay. Proverbs of Solomon. This is in Proverbs 10. And the two that I really liked in this are Proverbs 10, 6, 
which says, Blessings crown the head of the righteous, but violence overwhelms the mouth of the wicked. There's a lot of discussion about, like, violence and political violence and violence as a motive these days, um, or as a, a means to an end to, like, get things and, you know, whatever. But this makes it very clear that maybe that is not wise. Violence overwhelms the mouth of the wicked. Blessings crown the head of the righteous. I like that. Um, 1017 is whoever heeds discipline shows the way to life, but whoever ignores correction leads others astray. We were just talking about this in my Bible study about correction and like letting God actually correct you. Because I think a lot of Christians think that like being a Christian is just, oh, happy-go-lucky. God loves me. He'll just say that everything I do is okay. But there's a lot of correction and discipline that come with, you know, following God. And he will show you the ways that you are wrong. And so in order to be wise and um, to have life abundant, you need to be heeding that discipline. So um, that's always, always kind of harder than it, you know, easier said than done, but good reminders nonetheless. Okay, Proverbs 11, there were a couple I liked. Um, verse 2 says, When pride comes, then... Wait, when pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. And we see a lot about pride now in America and in the greater world. A lot of things are centered around pride. Being proud of who you are. Being proud of this. Being proud of that. It's like, um... No, humility comes, with humility comes wisdom and pride comes before disgrace. So very, very good reminder because that is so counterintuitive to what our culture is now telling us. It's like you have to be proud of everything you do, everything you are, like just for sitting on the couch, you get to be proud of who you are. You know, it's like, um, that's kind of the gist of what's going on now in the world. Um, okay, and then I also liked 11.4, which is wealth is worthless in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. So that one kind of speaks for itself. Like, again, culture tells us to chase wealth and money and all of that, and then you'll be happy. But it's actually a righteousness that is way more valuable than that. Okay, and then we are on Proverbs 12. Um, after the little ad break and it says a wife of noble character is her husband's crown but a disgraceful wife is like decay in the bones this one I feel like is so true I mean they're all true it's like I don't have to say that they're all true every single time but this one is very very true I've seen a lot of well I don't know if I've seen them but I've seen a lot of like marital things because husband and wives don't like support each other or you know there's a ton of nagging or um yeah a disgraceful wife is like decay in the bones I think that is a very very good one and a wife of noble character is her husband's crown like so valuable so I aspire to be that that wife um chapter 13 the one that I liked was a wise son heeds his father's instruction but a mocker does not respond to rebukes this is again with the discipline one as Christians I think we need to focus a lot more on discipline like from Christians and from God um, but yes a wise son heeds his father's instruction it's important to take feedback um, so then on Proverbs 15 I liked uh, 1 15 4 
It says, the soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. Now, this is where I need to work on because um, I am not good at like the soothing tongue thing. Um, I think I need, like I swear too much and I, you know, I read like your words should be like honey and I was just talking about this in my Bible study the other day. My words are not quite like honey, so that is an area that I definitely need to work on. Okay, in Proverbs 17, I liked a few different ones. The first one is better a dry crust with peace and quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. Now, I went to a private school in high school, and so a lot of people had a lot of money, and I would go over to their house, some of them, and it's like so rich and, you know, kind of flamboyantly rich and just like showing off wealth and things like that. But it's like the family didn't talk to each other. I've seen that a lot. And so this one really resonated with me because I feel like I've seen the house full of feasting, but with strife sort of played out in real life. And it does not, like, I never liked going over to those people's houses because there was like no there was no community, there was no family, there was no like warmth really. It was just like a bunch of stuff, you know. And then 17.6 says, children's children are a crown to the aged and parents are the pride of their children. And this just really reinforces like the family dynamic that I think is so important. And like today's culture, I think, tries to kind of break down the multi-generational family. Like I've always had extended family live around me and I understand that that's not logistically possible all the time, but I've loved having family all around and you know grandparents and cousins and things like that I think that's really important and so it just this verse just kind of ties in that family unit like camaraderie sort of thing okay Proverbs 19 um, I liked 1916 which says let me scroll down to it, it says whoever keeps commandments keeps their life but whoever shows contempt for their ways will die um, I think we kind of, well, I, a lot of this is just so antithetical to today's culture because people do not have any, you know, regard for the commandments or the Bible or things like generally in culture. And it makes it clear, like tie them around your, um, necks, like wear them as rings or whatever to keep reminding yourself about the commandments and all of that. I, I just read that the other week. Um, and this just shows the importance of the Bible and keeping the word and meditating on the word and all of those things. All right. Proverbs 20. I liked wine is a mocker and beer a brawler. Whoever is led astray by them is not wise. I have definitely had like, I mean, you, you can just see this like alcoholics and stuff and alcoholism definitely leads down a path that is not good. And I've definitely been tempted sometimes to like drink too much. And so this is just a good reminder because like, even though wine and beer are very fun and I, I don't believe there's anything inherently wrong with drinking wine or beer, but there is something inherently wrong with like being led astray by them as the Bible says. So good reminder there. Proverbs 21, nine, let's, let me scroll. It says better to live on a corner of the roof than to share a house with a quarrelsome wife. That is, that hits you right in the gut. <laughs> you don't want to be the quarrelsome wife. Like it's better to live basically in a shack than to share a huge house with someone who's just miserable and quarrelsome. So if you're a wife, like all of the um, Proverbs books are very, very good, especially for things, for verses like that. 
Proverbs 23. So Proverbs 22 and on have these sayings. And so instead of just like verses, it breaks it up by like saying one, saying two, saying three. So in Proverbs 23, on I liked saying eight, which is do not wear yourself out to get rich. Do not trust your own cleverness. Cast but a glance at riches and they are gone for they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. I find myself falling into this trap of like wanting to make a million dollars and to retire and to be just like out, you know, not working and, you know, I don't know what I would be doing. Um, I guess raising kids when I have kids, but I sometimes find myself like fantasizing about making a lot more money and then like imagining the house we would get and all these things. And I think like that is getting too wrapped up in money and, and trying to wear myself out to get rich and that kind of thing. So I think like getting too infatuated with money, the Bible talks a lot about and like the love of money is the root of all evil, that kind of thing. So this is a good reminder. I also liked verse 19, which is saying 16 in this psalm structure. It said, listen, my son, and be wise and set your heart on the right path. Do not join those who drink too much wine or gorge themselves on meat for drunkards and gluttons become poor and drowsiness clothes them in rags. Again, um, a reminder about like gluttony, drinking, being lazy, that kind of thing. Okay, then in Proverbs 25, I liked one, verse 6, and that says, Do not exalt yourself in the king's presence. Do not claim a place among his great men. It is better for him to say to you, come up here, than for you to him for than for him to humiliate you before his nobles. So this, like, I feel like I've seen this a lot where people kind of brag about themselves and then other people don't think they're as, as great. Like in a workplace setting, this is easy to see a lot of times. Um, so it's better for someone to compliment you than to compliment yourself and have it be wrong. And I just thought that there's a lot of real life examples about that. Um, okay, and then Proverbs 28, there was a good one, um, 2013. It says, whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. This is like, I think my main takeaway of the last like five to 10 years is concealing your sins never works. <laughs> so um, confessing them and confessing them to someone you trust and um, seeking mercy from those is a thousand times better. And the other way will never bring good things. And that is what that verse sums up. So I love that one. And then I wanted to just read the uh, Proverbs 31, which if you've been in the Christian world for any amount of time, you've probably heard of the Proverbs 31 woman. It is like a solid list of like all the good virtues of a wife of, you know, the wife of a noble. It says the wife of noble character. And that's what this title of this section is. So I'm just going to read it because it's like everything I would like to be. <laughs> um, so this says, a wife of noble character, who can find? She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar. She gets up while, she, while it is still night. She provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand, she holds the distaff and grasps, grasps the spindle with her fingers. 
She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. She is clothed with dignity and strength. Wait, she is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household. She does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done and let her work bring her praise at the city gate. Ah, chef's kiss. That is such a good chapter and like whole section and that is everything I aspire to be. So I should probably read that like every day. I have not read it in a long time, but that just makes me want to read it all the time now. Um, Okay, so that's Proverbs. Again, like there's so much wedged in between there. I just pulled out like the few of my favorite ones, but I would highly recommend, recommend to go try to read a proverb every day of the month. So you just are constantly reading through Proverbs because you'll get something new out of it every, every single time. Okay, so then we're going through Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is pretty short. It's 12 chapters, and this is the intro. It says, Ecclesiastes is the collected words of a teacher or preacher. The teacher is described as having been king over Israel in Jerusalem and as the son of David. Both of these mean that he was not, or both of these mean that he was in the royal line of Judah. He is not further identified, and while tradition identifies him with Solomon, it is appropriate to leave this cloak of anonymity anonymity. Oh my gosh. Uh, My mind self-destructed how to pronounce that really quick. Um, Anonymity in place. The repeated phrase, meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless, warns us that life's rewards are uncertain and ultimately unsatisfying. The teacher pursues this insight in a long discourse that shifts between prose and poetry and between autobiography and straightforward teaching. The book makes observations and poses questions, returning to themes like the wind, round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. When the teacher says, what is crooked cannot be straightened, he reminds us that something wrong has intruded into our world. This fits the larger Jewish story told in the rest of the scriptures. Setting things right again is what the bigger drama is about. The teacher, however, does not tell us about God's attempts at straightening the world. He is content to say that God is sovereign over all things, and it is our duty to follow his ways for a living since God will bring every deed into judgment. Okay, so Ecclesiastes, when you first read it, is like so confusing because it is just, I mean, the first couple chapters, especially are just like him, the author, who I do think is Solomon. I mean, I don't understand why they want to keep this cloak of anonymity (laughs) because when you have read the story of Solomon, like David and Solomon, and then you read... Ecclesiastes and he talks about how he's like the wisest in the land and how he's so wise and how he has all these riches it lines up pretty much exactly with Solomon so I don't understand why we would not want to identify Solomon but as you're reading it's I feel like it's kind of obvious um so Ecclesiastes is kind of the same where there's a lot of repeats and again it like it repeats a lot of things but then it goes back to the same themes so I just again pulled out like some of the things that I thought were interesting or things I wanted to go into or things that I liked from this book more um and so I'm just gonna list those and maybe read a couple 
uh, verses. But this is funny because when I read this, I was like, oh, I think we've all had like an existential crisis that kind of sounds like this, where it's like, oh, what is the point of this life? What are we doing here? How do you even know what happens to someone after we die? Like, I feel like most people have had this (laughs) exact thought. So in Ecclesiastes, one of the ones that says it opens with meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. Okay, so that's where we start. Um, So here are some of the things that as you go through those 12 chapters that he points out or little phrases that I thought were confusing or good or whatever. So first of all, was the meaningless. Then the next one is, he says, the more knowledge, the more grief. So it's like, why would you want so much knowledge? Because if you know things, you know how wrong things are, how like evil the world is, how, and then you have so much more grief because the more knowledge you have, the more grief you have. So you don't want to be like at either extreme, you know, of so much knowledge that you have so much grief. Um, Another, a big thing that he says is pleasures are meaningless, but also toil is meaningless. So like every, pretty much everything under the sun that's not God is, is meaningless. Um, He talks about having a season for everything, which is something that a lot of Christians talk about a lot. There's a season for everything, a season for weeping, for laughing, for mourning, for dancing, um, a time to tear down, a time to build back up. There's like very specific seasons for everything. And so like if you think that you'll never be sad if you're following God, that is not true. He outlines that there is a time for weeping. Okay, and then I have a note here to read... um, Ecclesiastes 3, 9 through 14. It says, What do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Uh, I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and do good while they live, and that that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in their toil. This is the gift of God. I liked that, but it is like also confusing because it's like, what, what's the point of this entire thing, you know? And sometimes if you think about it, like if you're in the shower and you start thinking about like the purpose of life too much, it gets very trippy because you try to like fathom, like why would God make humans to begin with? You know, I get like once he's made them and once there's like brokenness and sin and then you get to rescue them and whatever, but it's like, why even make them to begin with? And the thought that I've had about that, <laughs> um, while I guess we're going very deep here, the thought that I've had is like, I would like to have kids and I know that the possibility of them going to hell or not following God is very, very real, but I, I would like to have kids anyway. It's like God knew the possibility of us not obeying and, and choosing the broken life is also very real, but he loves us so much that he wants to share his love with us um so i don't know obviously like his thoughts are above our thoughts his ways above our ways so i probably will never know and that's kind of what this is saying too it's like um uh i know that everything god does will endure forever nothing can be added to it nothing can be taken from it god does it so that people will fear him and then no one can fathom what god has done from beginning to end that's like we're never gonna understand it so the best thing to do is follow him and live a good life, basically. Um, Okay, then 
there is the whole kind of chap couple chapters about two being better than one, which we actually read on our um, wedding day. It was like, it was basically like what's sadder than someone just alone going through their entire life. Two are better than one because if you lay down, you can keep each other warm. That's a very common marriage quote. And I realize I'm finally reading the book that it's in. Um, it says, don't be quick with your mouth or be hasty with your words. That's always a good reminder. Kind of reminds me of the Proverbs stuff. Again, Ecclesiastes talks a lot about wisdom as well. So it's like half saying life is meaningless and then half teaching wisdom. Um, it says riches are meaningless, which is a common theme of this week. Uh, whoever, okay. And I loved this quote it says, whoever loves money never has enough of it. That is profound. That should be on like quote pillows everywhere. <laughs> whoever loves money never has enough. That is so true. Without contentment, you just keep wanting more and more and more. And if you love money, you're going to be greedy. Uh, what advantage do have the wise over fools? This was confusing. I think this is in part of the book where he's like just questioning the whole thing and then he kind of flips to saying oh well wisdom provides you this and this and this so I think as I kept reading that the confusion of that statement kind of cleared up and then I said read Ecclesiastes 7 um but that is very very long um Let's see. Hold on. Um, Ecclesiastes 7 says, A good name is better than fine perfume, and the day of death better than the day of birth. It is better to go to a house of mourning than to a house of feasting, for death is the destiny of everyone. The living should take this to heart. Um, so it's it's kind of like upside down world. Like you would think that the house of feasting is better. He's saying the house of mourning is better. And that's just because everyone dies. He's just driving home the point home that everyone dies. No matter what, everyone's going to die. If you follow God or you don't follow God, you're going to die. And what happens after God decides basically. Um, and then he talks about like the right being righteous may not correlate directly to like the length of life you live um he says like i've seen a lot of righteous people that have died early but i've seen a lot of wicked that have lived a long time so it doesn't necessarily mean the length of life means how wise you are or how uh, righteous you are okay and then i wanted to read a little bit from the end of Nine. Okay, so this is um, Ecclesiastes 9.13. It says, I also saw under the sun this example of wisdom that greatly impressed me. There was once a small city with only a few people in it, and a powerful king came against it, surrounded it, and built huge siege works against it. Now there lived, a, now there lived in that city a man poor but wise, and he saved the city by his wisdom. But nobody remembered that poor man. So I said, wisdom is better than strength, but the poor man's wisdom is despised, and his words are no longer heeded. The quiet words of the wise are more to be heeded than the shouts of a ruler of fools. That is profound as well. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. The quiet words of the wise are more to be heeded than the shouts of a ruler of fools. The Bible constantly sometimes amazes me with like how wise it is. I mean, I know that's like kind of the whole point and it's a divine, um, but yeah, it is very wise. Okay. Um, 
Then another thing that I pulled out of here was it says to invest in many ventures, which I'm all about. Uh, it talks about working hard and to whatever you do in your youth, remember your creator. It's, it talks about like how the youth, you know, before they've seen like the hardships of life and all these things, how they're all joyful and things to remember God and remember their creator um, before, you know, all the hard things of life happen. So Ecclesiastes, like surface level looks super, super depressing, but there are very, very good nuggets of wisdom in there. And he comes to very good conclusions because like, yeah, again, like I think everyone's has had this crisis where they think about it too much. And it's like, what is the point of all of this? And he dives into it and then works his way out kind of. And so I actually kind of like that book, even though it really is seems so sad at the beginning. So um, that is all for today. That's all I have. Uh, next week, we will be starting with Song of Songs, which should be quite the time. And I will see you guys next week. Make sure to go um, rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. That will very much help the algorithm to show the podcast to more people. I don't exactly know how the podcast algorithm works. I feel like it's hard to discover new ones because I'm always trying to look for new podcasts and they always just kind of recommend things that are amiss, you know? So um, anyway, go rate and review. I would very much appreciate it. And that is all. Thank you all so much for listening today and I will see you next week. See you.